In Matthew chapter 14, I want to share from you a kind of a principles today on faith and courage from Matthew chapter 14, a principle on faith today, if I could, and maybe encourage your faith and challenge your faith a little bit if I could um, do that as well as I was challenged when I read this. In Matthew chapter 14, and I'm going to read a little bit, so bear with me, and starting in verses 22 to 33, this is the account of Jesus walking on the water and Peter stepping out of the boat. At once, Jesus had his followers get into the boat. He had just done this, this campaign of ministry, and, um, and he just asked the disciples to get into a boat and go to the other side. He would meet them there later, he said. And he told them to go ahead of him where he was going to go, where they were going to minister next, the next city or town, the other side, while he sent the people away. And after he had sent the people away, he went up to a mountain and by himself to pray. And when evening was come, one translation says four o'clock in the morning, early in the morning, uh, he was there alone. He was praying alone. By this time, the boat was far from the land, was being thrown around by the waves. The wind was so strong against them. Just before the light of day, Jesus went to them walking on the water. When the followers saw the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were afraid. And they said, it's a ghost, it's a spirit, they cried out with fear. And once Jesus spoke to them, and he said, Take hope, it is I, don't be afraid. Peter said to Jesus, after that, when Jesus said, Don't be afraid, Peter's the one that spoke up, and he said, If it is you, Lord, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, Come. Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water to Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind, he was afraid. And he began to go down into the water and sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. He was a good fisherman, but probably a bad swimmer. At once, Jesus put his hand and took hold of him. Jesus said to Peter, you have so little faith, why do you doubt? When Jesus and Peter got into the boat, the wind stopped blowing, and those in the boat worshipped Jesus, said, for sure, you are the Son of God. Amen. Aren't you glad that Jesus has the ability to walk on water? Amen. This is a true account, by the way. Do you know, faith in the Bible is expressed and talked about two different ways. Number one, we talk about faith, when we talk about uh, having faith, have faith in God. Jesus said that to one of the um, sick people. He said, have faith in God. That seems, it just it means to fully trust in the Lord, to adhere to, to rely on, to depend on, to put your trust in the Lord. Have faith in God. We put our trust in the Lord for provision, for protection, and ultimately for salvation. That's what it means. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. When you hear the word about salvation, the Bible says you have an opportunity to be saved. That's how you're saved. You put your faith in what you hear. And so have faith in God is this adhering to and fully trusting. Trusting uh, in the Lord is to put your trust in His Word, His ways, and His will. That's what you do, is when you do. But also, there's another type we see, is that when the Bible talks many times about keeping the faith, or keeping the faith that was once delivered to the saints, or the beliefs and the teachings of the kingdom of God, the faith, the faith, the beliefs and the teachings of the kingdom of God. Fight the good fight of faith. The Bible says we, we we're working as leaders to pour into your life so that we all can come into the unity of the faith. And so we talk about faith in a couple different ways. And I'm so glad this morning that my faith is valuable to God. God is concerned about my faith. How many know what I'm talking about? He loves it when I put my faith in Him. He loves it when I learn from my mistakes and my faith grows stronger. But I want to talk to you this morning about faith. Amen. Uh, on the boat. <laughs> faith on the boat. How many know it's easy to have faith on the boat? Easier, let's put it that way. Maybe you know in a storm and you got 
But, you know, but how many know it's one thing to be on the boat, it's another thing to be on the water. And so it's, it's when, when here we see that Peter had faith on the boat. Lord, if it's you, if you, you're really who you said, call me and I'll come to you. How many know it's easy to have faith on the boat, but that's where it starts. I can see Peter now, you know, as Jesus appears and everybody's scared to death. And not only do you have the storm, but now you have this image that looks like Jesus, possibly a spirit or a ghost or something. And here, you know, Peter's the one. He's the first one that speaks up and says, Lord, if it's you, bid me come on the water and I'll come to you. And Jesus says, okay, get out of the boat. Okay, Lord, if it's you, uh, I would like to come to you. And maybe you could ask me to come to you if it's really you. Okay, get out of the boat. Peter looks back to the disciples like, it's all you, man. I was going to ask first, but you stepped up, so you need to go ahead. And I can imagine there's probably one of those disciples that we have in church. It's those famous believers that always come up to you after the fact. I just felt the Lord tell me you need to get out of the boat. But they themselves would never get out of the boat, right? And so he said that and he gets out of the boat and finds himself all of a sudden having to, you know, hold on to the boat. And now he's standing on water and having to let go of the boat at one time and turn to the Lord and walk towards the Lord keep his eyes on Jesus and I don't know how many steps he took the Bible doesn't say how far he went how far Jesus was it was close enough that Jesus could speak to them and they can hear him in the midst of the wind but he was far enough that when he he uh, started walking on the water the Bible says he maybe took a step or two and he began to sink but he was close enough where Jesus could reach him and pull him out Amen. And how many kind of have a testimony like that, that Jesus pulled you out of something? Amen. And you began to sink, but Jesus pulled you out. But faith on the boat. Let me give you some principles about faith. I believe, first of all, that the Lord really does not expect us to be the most well-polished Christian or the best version of Christianity that you can be. I believe that He wants us to be uh, mature, healthy, and spiritually fit. It's the Lord's will that we grow in our faith. It's the Lord's will that we develop in character. Is that right? Amen. I mean, you know, you can be a well-polished Christian and not have much faith. You can learn about Christianity and not live Christianity. And so I believe that God wants us to be mature and healthy and spiritually fit. And I believe that maturity comes from growth, not just longevity. And many people think I've been in the faith for a long time, but that doesn't mean you learned anything. And that doesn't mean you're mature. Amen. But maturity comes from growth. And so maturity in the book, uh, in the Bible, really talks about, is defined as perfection or being perfect or growing in the Lord or developing in God. Here's what maturity is not in the Bible and what it is not to be spiritually fit in the Bible is it's not achieving a status with God to be better than other people. That's not maturity in the Lord. You know, you, you learn all this Old Testament theology and uh, New Testament scriptures and now you're, you're better than everybody else. Or you're smarter than everybody else. That's not what being mature is all about. Being mature is not about being higher or, or elevated above of other people. It, it's not about being free from mistakes. Being mature in the Lord is not about being free from trouble or disaster or hardships. It's not about being, never being wrong again. That's not, that's not what it means to be healthy and spiritually fit in the Lord. Did you know that? What it, what it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that you, you know, people start treating you uh, uh, higher or better. Or, or how about this? It doesn't mean that you're a know-it-all. How many know that love doesn't have it all uh, figured out? Love doesn't know it all. The Bible just simply says love just believes and hopes in all things. Love doesn't know all things. 
Aren't you glad for that? You don't have to be a know-it-all, amen. That does not what it means to be mature. But let me just give you a formula as I get into this about being spiritually fit. What it means to be spiritually fit, and that is faith in trials. A little slow on the slides there. We're good, though. We're good. It's unbelievable to think I'm faster in technology. Anyways, uh, so you become spiritually fit, and that means faith in trials. That's what it simply means. To be fit means to be, have faith in trials, because that's where you get your health. That's where you get your maturity. That's where you grow. That's where you're strong in the Lord. After the temptation of Jesus, the Bible says that the anointing of God increased in his life. He came out of testing and temptation more powerful than when he went in. Amen. And so I, I know that about trials. And the other thing is that God designs trials to make my faith in him stronger. It doesn't make, uh, it's not about me becoming a better version of me. <laughs> Amen. It's about being stronger in the Lord. And so God designs trials to make my faith stronger in him. That's exactly what it is. And I, and I really have to understand, I came to understand this, that, that there's blessings and there's trials and both are from the Lord. Many times we think God's all about blessings. Well, you just don't know him that enough. You need to walk a little bit closer to him. You'll find out he's all about trials and tests as well. And so you don't, you don't grow by gifts. Did you know that? You don't grow by spiritual gifts and talents. You don't grow because you're a good singer and you get better and better because you're a better, you know, a musician in the church. That's not how you grow in your faith. You don't grow by blessings. You don't grow by sunny days. <laughs> Come on, and everybody that's seasoned in life said amen. You grow by what you go through. What you go through should grow you. I like that saying. What you go through should grow you. I had that written down a long time ago. But you know, God, I thought of this scripture that God inhabits the praises of his people. And we like to shout that one down during worship. But I, want, I got a question for you. Where does praise originate from? You know where it originates from? It originates from the trials and the tests that you go through. The songs that you get in the desert. The songs that you get in the hardships and the trials and the tests in life. Come on somebody. That's where praise comes out of that. Praise comes out of stuff that you've been through because God was good enough to you to get you through that, to deliver you from that. Amen. Most of David's songs were about what God had already brought him through. Amen. And how many know when you praise God for what he's done in your life, amen, he says, I live in that. I dwell in that. I live in those kind of songs. I don't live in songs of people that have never really uh, known me and they, they don't wanna, they're afraid to go through things and they live in fear and doubt and unbelief. He said, I live in the praises of people that have been through some stuff. And that's where God lives. But the greatest faith develops in hardships and darkness. I mean, this is what faith is. The greatest faith develops in hardships and darkness. I wish I could stand here and say that the greatest faith develops in prayer. I wish I could say that the greatest faith develops in praise and worship or when I go to church, but that's not where the greatest faith develops. It develops in trials and hardships and, and maybe I should have preached something more happy. This is Super Bowl Sunday and talked about winning or something today, but uh, I don't know, but, but, but maybe next week. But you know, I thought about something else about faith is that everyone has been given the measure of faith, but it's only uh, working when it's activated. So everybody has a measure of faith, but it has to be activated. It has to be evident, and it has to be working in your life in order for you to call it faith. Because 90% of faith is obedience. Amen? It's obedience to God's Word. And so when faith can act, faith is fact. 
Amen. I heard that little saying, when faith can act, faith is fact. You know, there's a, a statistic in baseball, and many of you have seen it when you're watching the game, and maybe you didn't understand what this number is, but it's what they call batting average. And so, let's just take a batting average of, let's say, .300. That means that three out of ten times, somebody's going to connect with the ball, that they've connected or made a hit, had a hit with the ball. But that also means that seven out of ten times, they miss the ball. But how many know you'll never hit the ball unless you keep swinging? And so the more you keep swinging, the greater your chances are of having your batting average, as it were, amen, go up in God, all right? So your faith has to work. You've got to keep working it. No matter what you go through, whether people hurt you or you, you go through depression, anxiety, whatever you're going through, keep your faith working. Amen. Just keep swinging the bat. And I believe you're going to connect once in a while. Amen. And I want you to notice something about faith is that faith is always synonymous with actions. Always. Every time the Bible talks about faith, it talks about actions. And James puts it this way, that faith without works is dead, completely dead. You just can't have faith, there's got to be actions. You can't just talk about it, you just can't promise the Lord stuff. How many know there's actions, right? There's actions. And so God will provide uh, you know, one I said years ago is God will provide the sun and rain, but I believe you have to go out and dig for the vegetables. And you got to go make the garden. you got to dig in the dirt. Amen. So God will do those things, but we've got to follow up. And so there's actions with our faith. Faith also works according to the Word of God, just leading into something. Faith works through. Faith works out. Faith works over time. How many believe that? Amen. How many know faith works out, doesn't it? Amen. Somehow, if you keep believing and stay founded on the Word of God and you stay in that storm, faith will work out. Amen. Faith takes work, doesn't it? And faith works as well. And so faith without corresponding actions, the Bible says, is completely dead. I want you to just notice, and Paul wrote to the church in Rome, to the Roman Christians there, uh, the Christians were at Rome, I should say, the, the church in Rome, he was known for their faith in the midst of Caesar. In the rule of someone like Caesar. They were known for their faith. They were known for a, a people that had strong faith in the Lord. How many know what that means? That means that they, they, were, they were very strong in, in the faith that they, they believed. That's great. You can be strong in what you believe. But more than that, they were faith, uh, the strong, or, uh, known for faith in action. What they lived. How they lived it out. And so they were known for that. And also in the Corinthian church, they were known for their faith. And so I believe that as a people, we can be known for our faith. Can you say amen? And not only that, but I feel that, that our actions as a church should be speaking in such a way in our community that it's actually changing the storyline of our community. I think that as a people group, that our faith needs to be, as Paul said, known to other people. I'm telling you, it's not what you say, it's what you do. Amen? It's all about actions. And so when it comes to faith, because people can, you can say until you're blue in the faith, but when they see you show the love of God, when they see you give and serve, and then they see you doing these things, living a godly life, that's faith in action. And so I believe that our faith as a church, I, I, I'd love to come to a place where our faith as a church with other churches combined in the city, I think that it would be great if our faith changed the storyline of our community. That they actually recognize churches for their great faith. Not necessarily tremendous, you know, well-polished doctrine, you know, and creeds, come on, but, but, but their faith in the Lord. Amen. You can say, man, it's okay, the Lord still loves you, amen. 
But faith is following the terms of an agreement with God. That's what it's about. You're following His terms. You're following His wishes, His requests, His desires, His commands to us. That's what faith is about. Faith is following those things. Faith is responding like Peter did. Amen. Responding. Not waiting and not questioning, but responding, getting out of the boat. Faith doesn't make things easier. Faith makes things possible. Amen. Hallelujah. And faith puts no limits on God, and God puts no limits on faith. So that's why the Bible says you can have all the faith in the world. Amen. So there's just no end to that. And I believe that that's where the Lord brings us in these storms of life, in these trials, and some of these things that happen in our life is that the Lord wants to bring us into the place where we're growing in our faith. We're realizing that, wait a second, this storm has got a greater purpose in it that I can't see right now. Amen. That if I just continue to obey the Lord and like Peter, keep my eyes on Jesus, amen, I'm going to get through this thing and we're going to be able to see some miracles in the midst of this storm. Amen. And so faith is not just knowing that God can, but it's believing that God will. That's what faith is. Someone said this, that if God tells you to go after Moby Dick in a rowboat, don't forget the tartar sauce because it's going to happen. That's faith. Amen. Faith is believing God. But Jesus said here, let's go to the story and come back to some principles here. O ye of little faith. O ye of little faith. That's what he said. Why did you doubt of little faith? But how many know a little faith is better than no faith? All right, I'll take some little faith. But the Lord spoke and this was little faith. And, and I like this because one of the things that when Jesus calls and talks to people about little faith, that simply means that there's, there's a capability of greater faith. There's room for more faith. Little faith means you got room for a larger faith, amen, or more faith, amen. And so, and apparently the other disciples didn't have any faith. At least Peter had a little faith, is that right? One of the things that this brings to mind is the measures of faith. The measures, what I call the measures of faith. And that is this, uh, as Jesus taught, faith grows. And we, we talked about that, that faith grows. And in one particular uh, uh, book of the Bible, it says that we go from faith to faith. Is that right? Glory to glory, from uh, faith to faith. And so faith grows. And so let me just give you a couple things that Jesus taught about the measures of faith. Number one, no faith. He turned around and looked at people one time and he said, you're a faithless generation. And Jesus asked somebody, where is your faith? Is that right? They're all kind of looking around. I don't know. Where'd you put it? No, not that, not that kind. He didn't mean that. He didn't mean that, that they lost it. He just meant that it was misplaced or, I like to think of it this way, it, was, it wasn't misplaced. It was neglected or it was inactive. It was neglected or inactive. That's what Jesus said, there's no faith. How many know without faith, it's impossible to please God? And whatever is not of faith, the Bible said, is of sin. And so it's, it's not a good place to be and not have faith. God wants you to have, and he said if you can have faith as small as a mustard seed. So that's where it starts, doesn't it? Amen. No faith. But little faith, as we see here, little faith. That's, you know, little faith sometimes is just enough to believe God for food and clothes. That's good. That's good. But Jesus said there's room for more faith. And then we see Jesus talks about great faith. When he talked to the centurion and he said, I haven't seen so great a faith, no, not in all of Israel. Why? Because he said, Lord, if you just speak your word, I know my servant who's not here but he's home, he'll be, he'll be healed right this very hour. I mean, no, that's great faith. That's great faith. And then we see that there's another measurement of faith that's full of faith. 
Stephen, the Bible records in the book of Acts, was a man that was full of faith and power. Amen. How many know if you're faithful to God and obedient to the Lord, you'll be full of faith? Being full of faith comes down to being faithful to God. That doesn't mean that you, you can work up a sweat and you can pray the right prayers and do all the shundies and call down. You know, come on, I've been around people that they, they just feel like if I just work it up enough, that gives me enough faith. No, when you're full of faith, that means that you have really got to a place where you've found God faithful and you have been faithful. You have been faithful to the Lord, and God calls that full of faith. Amen. And, and then I see a couple other things. I see simple faith, and I see weak faith, as the Bible says, or those who are young in the faith. Um, you know, simple faith and, and little faith speak to me of places that you want to stay in because they're safe and comfortable. Little faith keeps you in a place that you're comfortable and you're safe. You don't have to believe God for big things. You can just simply pray a little prayer and then go and get some assistance. Or you can call on a relative or you can do this or do that. I mean, no, it doesn't take a whole lot of faith to do that. But when you have nothing in your cupboards, when you have no income, when you have no job, no family around, you've got to have some faith. Anybody? Amen. You've got to have some faith. And, and, and one of the things I've always you know, found interesting is, is no disciple said it, but another man said it, is it's kind of like I can imagine that Jesus, if, if he was here today, I believe that he would say to some of us, I found your la lack of faith disturbing. Amen? But we, we don't want that. We don't want just no faith or little faith. We want to move into a place, Lord, I'm not comfortable. It's not safe. And so you're calling me out in the waters in a place where I have to completely trust you. I don't want to get to a place where I pray a little prayer and really trust in my own strength, trust in my own talent, trust in my own abilities. I want to stay in a place, God, where I'm completely trusting in you. Even if I have the money, resources, and ability to meet my own need, I'm still trusting in you. Right? Amen. And this is the, kind of the dilemma. And so I think some people measure faith uh, and even spirituality by what's comfortable to them. What they can understand about the Lord. But how many know Jesus spit on the ground, mixed some mud, put it on a guy's eyes, he was healed. I don't understand that, but it's faith. Amen? Sometimes it takes faith to believe things you don't understand and things that aren't comfortable to you. Some people measure their spirituality by only what they understand, what I can break down myself and what I can handle. But you know, when God starts moving and doing miracles, there's things you just don't understand. I can't explain the way God moves, amen, but I'm not going to doubt the way God moves. That's faith, amen? And so God wants to keep us in that place where we're still dependent on him and we just don't have faith in the boat, but we have faith to step out of the boat. Get in a place where it's uncomfortable uh, for you. And, and, and you know what I, I like to call this kind of faith, amen? I kind of like to call this faith scared faith. How many have ever had scared faith? Three people, that, that just blows me away. That blows me away. Are you too comfortable? Or have you been scared to death about stepping out? Scared to death about what's going to happen next. That's scared faith. I like what Sister Thetis Tenney said. She said, I know God will never fail me, but sometimes he scares me. <laughs> Amen? How, how many believe that? How many have said, I, I, know, I, I know he'll never fail, but he scares me to death. Because he usually waits to the last minute. He usually waits till you're already in the water and you're already going down and then he pulls you out. 
Come on, he waits to the last minute sometimes. He waits to the deadline. The last minute, amen, before, amen, that, the, the judge can bring down that gavel and make that decision. Sometimes God waits till that last moment, amen. That's just the Lord. I don't know why he does it, and I, it, it frustrates me when he does it, but I just have to say, Lord, you know, that's one of those things, amen, that I love about you, but boy, it, I just don't get it, amen, but he does it, and the Lord does it, and the Lord loves to move in this way. This is what I call courage on the waves. Courage on the waves is scared faith. <laughs> Amen. Back in, uh, back in the 40s and after the World War II, they asked the man of the 101st and 82nd Airborne what, what courage was. And this was their reply. They said, courage is when you're scared, but you go anyway. Amen. And thank the Lord we had a bunch of men, amen, have courage in the military. Amen. That they're scared, but they go anyways. Hallelujah. And so we thank God for that. But, you know, being a person of faith is not the absence of trouble. Many people think that if I have great faith, then I'll have fewer problems. It's just the opposite, it turns out to be. Somehow a person of faith, is, that doesn't mean you have absence of hardships. People think that if I have great faith, and, I'll, and then God will meet my need, and I'll be rich, and I'll never have any more bills or hardships again. How many know that's not faith? That's not what Jesus is talking about. That's not the kind of faith that he led. And that he, he gave us the example of. But being a person of faith is really the presence of trust in the midst of those situations. No matter what happens, there's a presence of trust. It's not the absence of, of these things. It's the presence of trust in the middle of these things. Amen? And so God will put you in a place where uh, you're afraid. You're so afraid. You're scared faith. God puts you in a place where you're afraid so you'll need courage. That's why God put you there. That's why God brought David in front, of a Goli in front of Goliath. Amen. He was scared to death, but he had courage. Amen. I'm, I'm sure the Bible says that he ran to meet the giant, but I, I, it's got to be at some point he kind of swallowed hard at one point and said, Oh, Lord, I know you're with me. Amen. And I'm hoping you are. Amen. And so let me just say this. God put you in a place where you're afraid. But, you're, but you, So you need courage. But that's not the spirit of fear. That's the emotion of fear. Let, let's make that clear this morning. How many know when God puts you in a place that you're afraid? Anybody? Oh, he would never allow me to be afraid. You want to bet? Yes, he does. He turns the lights off and closes the doors. Yes, he does. Come on. He puts you in a place where there's fear. But it's not the spirit of fear. And that's the difference. He doesn't want you to be overtaken with the spirit of fear. You can have the emotion of fear in the midst of faith. Amen? Notice the disciples, the Bible says that they had the spirit, there was, I mean, the attitude of fear, the emotion of fear. So the emotion of fear causes you to stop and think, but the spirit of fear causes you to quit. So you can have the emotion of fear, and all of a sudden it makes you think, am I going to run, or am I going to believe God? Am I going to hide or am I going to believe God? Am I going to quit and give up or am I going to stay with this thing and claim the word of God through this thing? Am I going to quit or am I going to, come on, right? Amen. And so that's the emotion of fear and God understands that. And I, what I love about the Lord is right in the middle of fear and anxiety and overwhelming uh, you know, circumstances, God stirs up faith and faith can live in the same room as fear. But how many know it doesn't stay that way? Faith overcomes your fear. Is that right? Faith overcomes fear. And so before the disciples had faith, 
They had fear. How many have ever been there recently? Like this morning. You know, come on. Before you have faith, you have fear. Before you have faith, you have anxiety. Before you have faith, you've got insecurity. How many know? All right? That's, I mean, that's, that happens, right? I mean, know that. It's what happens. And so this is the way it works in our lives as believers, that faith is not the absence of fear, but rather faith is in the middle of it, and it shouts louder than fear until it overcomes fear. Amen. I love that. And Paul said in one place that my weakness, in my weakness, he's made strong. Not in my strength, but in my weakness, Jesus is made strong. I love this scripture. It's a really, uh, I said it the, from the first day, uh, you know, that of transition. My wife and I, I took over. I, I, I saw this scripture and I said, Lord, this is exactly how I fear. I feel in Mark chapter, yeah, in fear too. In Mark chapter 10, verse 32, I like this one. It says, when the disciples were walking with Jesus, they were amazed and they were afraid. How many have ever felt that with the Lord? Wow, I'm scared to death. Wow, we've got a 14,000 square foot building right in the middle of where the greatest needs, and I'm scared to death. Wow, Lord, you gave us a vision about having a job and life skills program. I don't know how that's going to happen. I'm scared to death. But how many know that's what it is with walking with the Lord? Amen. You can be amazed and afraid at the same time. Amen. God, you blow my mind away. I don't know what you're going to do next. I'm afraid to ask. <laughs> Amen. Some people are afraid to ask the Lord what God wants them to do every day because they know God's going to make them do something crazy. He, he, he knows that, you know, they know that God's going to ask them to do something like step out of a boat in a storm. Really? That doesn't even make sense. God's going to ask you to do it. And so take that chance. Amen. And ask the Lord and take that risk in the middle of fear and insecurity. You know, the scared faith is, there's things that I, I think of the word scared. We, we talk about terror, we talk about insecurity, we talk about inadequacy, and that's exactly what happens. It comes out so that God can put something in. It's revealed in us so that the Lord can do something deeper in us. Our inadequacies, I, I don't know what that is, I'm speaking Spanish in that one, but it, they come, doesn't it, right? Our insecurities come out. Lord, it's like, I, I'm overwhelmed by this. I can't do this. I'm not strong enough. I, I don't, I, I just, there's no way I can do this, Lord. Amen. How many know that's exactly what the Lord wants to do? Because sometimes God wants to take out of you something in order that he can put something in you. In order for something to live, according to the scriptures, something has to die. And so a lot of times, these things come up to the surface. This, whether it could be anything, it could be anger and fear, frustration, it could be just disappointment and rejection. They come to the surface that Jesus Christ can deal with this, work in us, something better. And so in the middle of our uh, you know, circumstances, we see all kinds of stuff come to the surface so that the Lord can deal with that, is that right? And give us something better. Give us something greater. Give us something stronger called faith. Amen. I love that. Courage in our storms. Courage in our storms. You know, there's a couple keys that I just want to share with you about courage in your storm. Three things. Remember who called you. Remember who called you. Jesus called Peter out of the boat. Remember who called you. Remember who's with you. And remember your destination. Amen. I want to encourage you today, if you're going through something, remember who called you. Remember who loves you. Remember who died for you. Remember who's in your corner. It's God Almighty. Amen. He's never going to leave you nor forsake you. I don't, you say, well, I turned my back on him or I haven't been perfect this week. Listen, get in line. Join the club. 
whatever you want to call it, amen. But remember something, he's with you, he loves you, amen. Come on, remember who's with you, he's with you and remember your destination. You know, sometimes storms come, amen, in our lives that we don't understand. And I really believe that God wants us and help, to help us to understand things a little bit more than we did yesterday so that tomorrow we'll overcome. And I think that there's a way that we can do that. I think there's a great way to do that, and that is just move in faith. Exercise your faith. Anyway, everyone really, and I, I thought about this morning, I jotted this down, that, you know, everyone loves the mountaintop experience. But few remember what took to get there. Amen? Is that right? How many know God leads you to those mountaintop experiences? That's what we call glory to glory. But he takes you through a valley to get there. That's what we call faith to faith. Anybody? I love mountaintop experiences, but how many know i got to come down someday? And i got to walk in this thing, and it, that's called faith. And so God loves to do that, but don't, rem don't forget about what it took to get there, the hardships. And, and in that, that, it, it kind of makes you stronger. It makes you praise God a little bit more. It okay? makes you more thankful and appreciative and love other people a little bit more, amen, when you get there. You know, courage in the Bible is defined as uh, something that is not just strong, but it's determination. It's relentless. It's, it's, it's just these... In the middle of fearful circumstances, it is an uncompromisingly, uh, unwavering spirit and attitude in the middle of these things. Unmovable, as the Bible says in 1 Timothy. Be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. How many know that sounds like a strong person? That sounds like somebody that understands the power of faith. Amen. The, the ability that God gives us. Amen, through His Word, to walk through these things and go through these difficult situations. I want you to take courage today, that you'll have courage in the storm. You know, sometimes in our lives I thought about this and how I can see this so much clearer with young people and with children is, you know, how many know that when you're raising your kids there was these things called motivators? You know, it usually came in the form of candy, right? And they got older and teenagers now came in the form of food. And TV, you know, or, or video games. You know, if you clean your room, then I'll let you play some video games. My word, how, how we can see uh, this janitorial spirit come on my kids when I give them these motivators. You know, you'll never get out of the house today unless you clean your room or something like that. You know, your parents gave you some good motivators, amen. You know, uh, you know do this or this will happen, right? And how many know God uses those things in our lives? And some of us, we learn a little different than other people. Sometimes it takes a little bit of initiative, amen, for us to kind of, or incentive on God's part. He gives us the incentives, amen. He puts us in these fiery trials. And, and, uh, and then when it gets really, really hot and our clothes start catching on fire, then we say, okay, I guess I'll move now. Okay, now, now, how many know God used some motivators, amen? And your motivator comes in maybe a form of, of bills and, and unemployment. It comes, I don't know how it comes for you, but how many know sometimes God uses those things to motivate you to get out of the boat? Amen, yes, he does. And so uh, next time you're in worship, I want you just to thank the Lord for his motivators. Thank you, Lord, for the incentives it took me to get me, amen, out of this thing, through somewhere. Amen, thank you, Lord, that you used somebody nagging me, my neighbors, my family, my boss. You used my motivator, amen, that was my motivator this month, to have me get on my face, get on my knees, and believe you for the impossible. <laughs> Come on, amen. How many know God blesses you or curses you with people according to your need? 
Oh, yes, he does. So he uses motivators and he moves, uses these circumstances of what we call, amen, these things to get us to move and to get us to get out of the boat. But you know what? Let me tell you something. It's better to move on the first call than on the last call. Just take it from me. It's better to do that, isn't it? Yes, it is. Amen. It's better to do that. And so God wants us to have faith in a storm. But I just thought of this this morning again, and I want to throw this out in closing, and that is sometimes in order to get through something, you've got to get over something. Some of you will never get through a circumstance until you get over bitterness. Some of you will never get through a difficult situation until you get over an addiction. You, you, I mean, it's just that's the way it is with the Lord. Why? Because He'd rather do something in you than for you. He doesn't want to just throw all these blessings out and give you all this stuff. Amen. He wants to see you grow in your faith. He wants to see you learn something valuable so that you can teach other people so that you'll be stronger in your faith and your relationship with Him gets closer. Come on. Is that right? Is that right? And so that's the way the Lord does that. And so sometimes in order for some of you to get through some things and some of us to get through something, we've got to get over something. Get over your anger. Get over your bitterness. Get over your unforgiveness and your self-righteous attitude. Some, some of you need to get over some things. Some of you need to get over the past. Just get over it, okay? It's over. It happened. You can't get through this marriage until you get over that one. Come on, can we be real this morning? Come on, you can't get through some things until you get over some things. And the Lord does this because He wants you to overcome. And so I, I really felt that was important to say that this morning. Amen. Because we all want to step out and walk on water, but none of us really like to get out of the boat. We don't like to... For, and come on, forgiveness is uncomfortable. Loving someone that you hate is uncomfortable. Humbling yourself and maybe giving to somebody that you don't like Serving them, blessing them, praying for them, doing good to them is not comfortable. Is that right? But when faith, the Bible says when faith has its way, what a beautiful thing happens. There's righteousness that happens. There's strength that happens. There's grace that happens. And faith in a storm is simply this. Courage, risk, and strength. And that's what it was for Peter. We see that he stepped out of the boat. He took a risk. And his faith in the Lord became stronger. Why do I know that? Because in the end, the Bible says, everybody said, surely this is the Son of God. Their faith was strengthened by what Peter went through. And Peter's faith was strengthened by what he went through. Is that right? Amen. And so I believe that if you don't have risk in your life, then you really don't have any faith. Some of you just got to take risk. And some of it could be a job opportunity and, and all that. Yes, that's a big risk. Or starting a, a business, that's a big risk. Or doing this. But for some of us, it's just simply going across the street and introducing ourselves and meeting people's needs and loving other people. That's taking a risk for some of us. Or standing up and opening our mouths when we feel uncomfortable with, with talking and communicating in public. Amen, that's taking a risk. Come on, writing a paper in college on what you believe is righteous and good. How many know that's taking a risk? Standing up for what's right in your job. Amen. When everybody's telling you to do this and there's crookedness and some things going on that you don't agree with, that's taking a risk. I mean, what I'm talking about. Amen. So the risks come in all sizes, but nevertheless, amen, God wants us to step out of the boat and take some risk. Amen. And so I believe if you don't have faith, you're not being faithful. You're not being a faithful believer if you don't have faith. But aren't you glad that, that it doesn't take, take us too much to ask the Lord for circumstances to enlarge our faith. <laughs> I mean, you know, those are dangerous prayers, aren't they? 
Those are prayers that, you know, we just kind of avoid a little bit, like, humble me. No, that's not a really safe prayer to pray because the Lord is always anxious to answer those prayers. Did everybody ever notice that? Lord, increase my faith. I mean, God's right there. He's like, oh, I got that one right here. Right here. That's a quickie. Right there, man. Amen. You might have to wait on the house and wait on some other things. But man, when you pray for faith, when you pray for circumstances that teach you faith, God's right there because He loves to see us grow. That's His will. Is that right? The Bible says that it's His good pleasure to give us the kingdom. It's His good will. It's His good pleasure to give, to give us, amen, the things that are in God. Amen. And so the last thing I'm going to share with you, I want you to stand on your feet as I share it. Amen. I want to encourage you today with faith and courage and just strengthening you today. Just believe God for maybe there's one thing that I shared today that you could take home and live out this week or encourage somebody else with. I hope that's, that's my prayer really. Amen. It's not having a well-polished message. It's just that I can encourage you some way. But you know, look at the story of Peter stepping out of the boat and Jesus calling him. Here, here's really what it was. The faith and courage that we talked about is simply taking the next step. It's just simply taking the next step. I mean, Peter took one step to get out of the boat and one step to get on the water. It just took one step. Peter was one step away from Jesus. Just one step. That's what faith is. And so Peter was doing really, he was okay and doing just fine and, and until he got his eyes on the water. But when he looked at Jesus, he could take that step. But notice when he looked at his circumstance, he couldn't take another step. He sunk right away. As long as you keep your eyes on the Lord, He's going to help you make the next step. I don't know what the next step is for you and what you and your spouse are praying for, what you're praying for, what you're believing God for, but God wants you to take that next step. Whatever that next step, today it might be somebody coming back to the Lord, getting right with God. You are out and you're running, doing your own thing and you've been a backslidden Christian and you just know that you haven't been living for God and know that you've been in sin. God wants you to take the right step, the next step, coming back in that fellowship with Him. Is that, amen, is that all right? Amen. Maybe you don't know the Lord and you're not a Christian and you've never repented for your sins, but you say, today, Lord, I, I heard the word and I believe that you are the Messiah. You came and died for my sins. I want to take that next step into salvation. But how many know it has everything to do with looking at Jesus today? Amen. I want to encourage you. What is the next step that you're looking at? I want you to step into that thing. Amen. With faith and courage. Amen. Hallelujah. I just want to encourage you today. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you're calling us out of our comfort zones, calling us out. And as a church, Lord, not just individuals, as a church, you're calling us out of the comfort of four walls, the comfort of praise and worship and having a church meeting on Sunday that's comfortable and safe for us, the comfort for a pastor pe preaching a good message to us every week or whatever, Lord, the safety of that, Lord. You're calling us out of that and calling us to where the needs are, to the poor and the blind and, Lord, those that are homeless, those that are in abused and broken situations, those that are the worst of the worst, God. That's where you're moving us to. Lord, this unfamiliar territory for us, but Lord, we're stepping out of the boat. We don't want to get into a place and stay in the boat. We want to be, be out, Lord, where you are on the water. Because on the water, that's where miracles happen. That's where true miracles happen is out in the water, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. Lord, whether we sink or swim, we're stepping out and keeping our eyes on you. That's what it's all about with the OC and with River Valley Mission, Lord. We've, we've dedicated it to you, declared it, Lord. Lord, we're amazed at what you've done. But Lord, we're afraid in one sense because, Lord, it's going to take a lot for us 
Amen. It's going to increase our faith. It's going to grow us and stretch us, Lord, and, and put us in places that we're uncomfortable with. But by the grace of the Lord, we're going to do it in Jesus' name. Just thank you for the people that are coming, Lord. Thank you for the harvest that's coming. The harvest of young women, the harvest of young men, the harvest of couples. Amen. Married couples, the harvest of older people and younger people, of teenagers, and the harvest of children, Lord. The harvest of politicians and lawyers and doctors and, and Lord, those of the highest of high in our society, Lord. Thank you for the harvest, Lord, of those, Lord, who are just absolutely broken and need you, God, full of sin and they're lost, Lord. Thank you for the harvest, God. We just give you all the praise and all the glory because you're doing it. And we say amen.